Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back, back, run like a wild man. I want you to struggle and I want you to wrestle with them angels. Where is from Auburn University, Bulls Jackson. The correct Auburn Arena time is 8.58 p.m. Central Standard Time. But because it's recruiting season, the correct Colonial Bank time is 8.58 p.m. Central Standard Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and True podcast. Harbored back the friendly folks at College of Magnolia, dropping bags and posting blogs. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It's I, Center Crow 2 on Twitter, at Center Crow on Vimo. To the one side of me, via the magic of the internet, the rumor monger himself, Ryan S. Starrett. The S stands for... Uh, actually, the S should now stand for so no longer the rumor monger of Auburn Twitter. Auburn Twitter has now oh, yeah. <laughs> jumped the rumor monger shark, and you aren't even close. <laughs> I, I've given that title away to... Uh... I don't know. Maybe people on the beat. This people point. getting paid to do this are really just rumor mongering. But none of them have topped your rumor, Ryan, which remains a secret. <laughs> yes, stands for secret. Yes, stands for a secret rumor. The other side of me, giving you the full Fort Payne ASMR, you've heard him laughing earlier. It's the internet's own AU chief. Mashallah. And also, a special guest because it's that time of the year, the most wonderful time of the year in which. Santa Claus brings 18-year-old boys. Duffel bags of cash. Duffel bags of cash. The AU Nerd. At AU Sports Nerd on Twitter. Nerd, can you read me? I can hear you. Drop the bag. Drop the bag. (laughs) Hashtag drop the bag. You got got only a limited amount of time left to drop the bag. Nerd is on because he is, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say this, the best free source of Auburn recruiting news on the internet today. Any disagreement? No. 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 It's pretty unanimous, I think. Yeah. There, you, can, you might be able to find more information than he's given you, but you're going to have to pay for it. And who wants great, to do that? He's, he's a great uh, aggregator and context clue investigator. Content farmer. He's a... Recruiting content farmer, curator, a curator of content news. He's the best. I, I can't at, tell if this is a compliment anymore. It all no, it is. is. You're the you're the best at uh, uh, deciphering context clues from from uh, multiple sources. There's nothing that excites us more than to get a text in the group chat. Guess who? Are one of our random position coaches just followed on Twitter yesterday? Yeah, a- absolutely <laughs> not. A stalker. Okay. No, 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 no. Just an investigative freelance journalist. <laughs> you need a Substack. No, he's Funny on our enough, site. I've actually started seeing like, <laughs> that's right. Uh, like 
recruiting reporters that are on, uh, they're like paid to do this on a regular basis. All these subsites post huh. things like Auburn appears to be tracking so and so, and then I'll go check. And I'm like, oh, they just started following. <laughs> they just started following that person. Yeah, yeah. No, you do exactly what the other people do. You just don't right. get paid for it. Yeah. All right. Are we doing basketball first, though, after that huge intro of how great he is at recruiting yeah, news? we're going to do it first, and we're going to put on the timer. Oh, baby. And that, way, and that way, we can just do as much recruiting as we want at the end. Okay. I, mean, I think we can just sum up the whole basketball section in two words. Beat him down? That's three words. Uh, that's three. Uh, Jabari Smith. Man. All right, I'm going to go in on that in a second. All right, I'm starting the clock, 30 minutes on the clock. Ready, set, go. Uh, biggest thing that happened last week besides beating Nebraska was there was a decision made by the NC2A and Auburn basically got time served and got a slap on the wrist. Not even really a slap on the wrist. Auburn got a non-punishment and the word probation gets to be used so that ESPN yeah. can write Auburn gets four years probation and everyone thinks, yeah. oh good, they got punished. Yeah, I saw, there was, there were several headlines that made it just seem like, oh, yeah, there goes Dirty Auburn again. Which, by the way, Auburn has not been uh, in any serious trouble since 1993 in any sport. We got in a little, we got did we get it put on probation for a like, year in basketball that that was inconsequential, uh, and a long time ago. But we haven't. Man, they, we got pretty really hammered in basketball though. Or not ninety three. Uh, self-imposed. Four. Yeah, self-imposed hammered. That O four you know, basketball. Kind of what that was pretty awful. <laughs> oh. Well, no, I it mean, just it was stupid. I, I think with this, it was it really was time served because Auburn has been through a lot of self-imposed sanctions yeah, the last definitely years or so. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like the NCAA would have tried to enforce those things had we not already done. Them. I haven't really seen anybody take this angle, but I think you could take the angle that Auburn cheated the system here by doing what we did. Like we basically imposed one thing. I think there was only one year where we imposed self-imposed two things at once is the recruiting ban, like on and off campus in one year. Uh, and we've kind of, we haven't had full scholarships the entire time. Right. Uh, yeah. No, Auburn, Auburn did a slow burn of an NCAA punishment um and it absolutely absolutely the the only thing about it that does bug me is that four more years of probation because auburn has essentially been on probation for four years already so at the end of it it'll be eight years of probation that auburn got for a coach doing something that was not uh did not give us any sort of competitive advantage at all no matter of fact it hurt the team yeah I, I do like that the uh, one-year recruiting ban that Auburn uh, had, uh, which would have been what, in the 2018 recruiting cycle, uh, that's the class where we only signed Javon McCormick, who was essentially uh, barely even had a recruiting profile, if you remember. Yeah, I'd really like to. And, and he still know. came in and uh, more or less won Auburn a tournament game. The invisible yeah. man, we called him. I'd I really like to know the story about how Javon McCormick ended up at Auburn. Like, yeah, how do they uh, find yeah, how him? How did Bruce find him? How did whoever found him? Well, I, according to what we self-imposed, we didn't find him. Right. Because we could yeah. not contact. I guess technically, him. he could have he could have reached out to Auburn. Right. I don't, 
Yeah, but true, how? But... Like who? To who? Yep. And I will. And the thing is, even though that didn't hurt the team at the time, because Auburn had a fairly full roster already, a lot of upperclassmen. That is kind of the reason we saw the team take a step back last year. Of you know, yep. no upperclassmen on last exactly. year's roster. Um, but like I said, maybe Auburn kind of gamed it to where they knew that was going to happen, and that's when you take the postseason ban. Um, yeah. I mean, we got criticized know, for that. I Pat Forty logged onto this call. Oh, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, is there anyone just that hates Auburn so much? Like, I don't think there's Bama fans that hate Auburn as much as Pat Forty does. I think it's a combination of a number of things with him. I think it's a combination of he really doesn't care as much about Auburn as it, he makes out to be. But he has to make it look like he is pro NCAA punishment because he's really not when it comes to some schools. So he's got to right. pick. He has to pick like three or four schools that he like always rides hard for. Like they should be punished. And if you notice, it's always, always public universities and almost always southern public universities. You'll never not see Pat, You'll never see Pat Forty write an article about. Um, how O.J. Mayo was paid to go to USC, or any of that stuff. That stuff doesn't well, get written by Pat Forty. I, I think there is a little some. I think he does have a, a grudge against Auburn, though, um, because he he went out on a big limb with the Cam Newton stuff, and yeah, that, and that just fell out from under him. And it, it was I, that at the time was so disappointing because he had been one of the only ma- major media guys to like stick up for Auburn in two thousand four. Uh, when they went undefeated and sh- should have been in the championship game or t- deserved to, to play for one. Uh, and um, so I, I just think there's something there. And, and I actually, I think there's also a, a thing with him and Bruce Pearl. So it's just kind of <laughs> same with the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pearl's definitely, yeah. Pearl's definitely a factor, but I, and I, I do think, I think both investigations got personal for him because on the first one, he was like the one break, helping break the story. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, the biggest story and whatever. And then, like, <laughs> nothing happens. Like, it's the worst nightmare. The kid goes on and wins the Heisman and wins the championship. <laughs> yeah. And then for this one, it was Auburn stonewalling him, like, not giving him any, any like, anything. Exercise in secrecy. Uh, and that just absolutely infuriated him. And so I think, well, and I think he genuinely believed that Auburn was going to be one of the biggest examples made of. And that's why he was hy- hyping it. I think, yeah. what, I think what's happened as well, too, is that there are a number of guys who write about sports for a living who sometimes forget that they're writing about sports for a living. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. And they think that they're like Woodward and Bernstein. Yes. And they're taking down <laughs> Nixon. And they're not. And so, like, the way that stuff was coming out about, like, the last president, if you look at it, in tone, it's almost identical to the way that these guys write about college football. Right. You'll never believe what I just found out about so-and-so. An inside source close to the program claims that this is what's happening. Well, in the, in, in the intervening years uh, since 2010, the, the worm has turned on, on uh, Pat Forde as far as the NCAA. Like, no one likes them anymore. It's truly like, thanks to Noshon like, Moreno. But when you're, when you're a national reporter who maybe has their sources from the NCAA and kind of merit badges for them a little bit, then you're, I guess you're kind of stuck 
sticking up for the NCAA. Um, yeah. So there's, there's, I think there's a little bit of that with it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it's, it's unfortunate for a guy who I did have some respect for, you know, many moons ago, almost 20 years ago now, but uh, it's been a while since I've had that respect. So, so the only punishments going forward for Auburn are going to be a now one game suspension for Bruce. He was he was suspended for the Nebraska game, and then he won't be coaching the against UNA on Tuesday. Um, so it was kind of a random like NCAA saying, "Oh, we're definitely going to suspend you just to make sure you know that," but it didn't mean anything. Yeah, I could I could not figure out really if it were petty. Yeah, or if a little it bit. It's like we had we have to do something. But it's like, but if you have to do something, everyone sees that and is like, really? That yeah, it's nothing. It's so it's. But, it's by the way, what are the odds Stephen Pearl gets a tech? This. Uh, oh, I hope so. I think it, I think they're fine. <laughs> they're, they're always having to get him to calm down on the bench and sit down. Hopefully, so, against UNA, it's coach. not too much of an issue. <laughs> when I when I coached in Europe, this is obviously not the same level. I coached in University of Girls basketball. <laughs> Um, but apparently FIBA rules stipulate that only one coach can be standing. And if another coach stands up, it's a technical foul. It's automatically a tech. Yeah. And wow. so, well, you might get a warning, but otherwise it's a, it's like what we would call a bench warning. Yeah. But they will give you a tech and they have the right to give you a tech on the first time. But it is, uh, the first tech I ever got over there was just because I was standing up. I was the assistant coach of, of the varsity team. I stood up and they're like, technical foul. I was like, wait, oh, what? <laughs> I man. sat down. Did you, uh, did you throw a chair? You should have just, you should have got your money's worth. But yeah, I, I, earn it. I think about that a lot watching Stephen <laughs> Pearl because that dude is standing as much as Bruce. Yeah. If not more. That, that's how I would be too. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit still. Uh, so that's, it's good that I'm not over there on the bench. The other part of the punishment was Auburn's going to lose two scholarships over the next four years. And to be clear, that's not two each year. That's just two total. So of the – you get 13 a year of the 42 scholarships Auburn has over the next four seasons, they only get 40, which, again, doesn't mean anything because Auburn very rarely uses all 13 scholarships anyways. Right. No, it's a it really lame punishment. a player on football scholarship on the roster. So – it means that maybe Leor doesn't get a scholarship next year. Is what maybe I don't even think it means that to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's all we have left with uh, the NCAA now, and we can move on. It's uh, over probation next four years, but whatever. Yeah. That's basically what um, what everyone involved in the team. That's what um, Wes Flanagan said is after the game and before the game. It's just great. To have be done with it be past it we're through bruce said the same um everybody that's that's made a statement that's basically the university statement from mystery university representative that the uh, the the auburn university made as a statement (laughs) out of the blue there's no no person attached to it said the same thing glad to be past it so onward upward let's go win the whole damn thing well, they certainly tried to against uh, Nebraska in, uh, in State <laughs> Farm on Saturday. There were, peop- uh, there were people who made – who somehow – and this is something that I try to not do – that tried to make one-game referendums. Oh, yeah. On You can't do that in basketball in general. You definitely can do it in college basketball. Okay. But – so I saw someone – a guy I really enjoy 
his analysis, who's an Auburn fan, who basically said this is kind of proof that Bruce is not the best in-game coach, but is an incredible week of coach. And I think that's not, I mean, he's, Sure, he's an, he's a great pre- preparation oh, coach, but you just, can't make any judgment based upon one yeah, game well, against Nebraska. Honestly, in basketball, anyway, it ends like it is truly a group effort from the coaches. Like, oh yeah, it, for it, sure. It, especially above high school, and even in high school, the best teams, the head coach isn't making substitutions. He's not. Uh, he's not making all that many decisions other than maybe, okay, he notices this team's doing something, so he switches up whatever they're doing. But half the time, an assistant's pointing it out and telling the head coach. So it is a group effort. Yeah. Um, but that's... Like, there's the a guy on the on the bench whose entire important. job will be to keep track of how many fouls everybody has yep. and the rotations. And that rotation has been decided on days before. Yeah. We're going to get so-and-so this okay. many minutes, so-and-so this many minutes. I like to think that what this essentially means is that uh, if you're saying that Bruce, this shows that Bruce isn't the best in-game coach or doesn't matter as much, then that just means he's coaching up his assistants really well. Yeah, he's he's he, a great coach of coaches. You could also say the same thing about Pep Guardiola. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> like, well, <laughs> the, that's the funny thing. Well, let's. I mean, soccer I'll, coaches I'll are that way soccer. as well. That's yeah. the, one of the similarities between basketball and soccer is that you really are only doing minor things strategically in terms in game. of game plan in the game. And there, there's some games where you just wouldn't have, you won't have to do anything. Bruce right. is not going to not do anything. He's going to be yelling at people. Uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of what Bruce does in game is he monitors our own team and what they're doing on a, sure. like, like one-on-one basis. And you monitor the referees. Your job as the head yep. coach is to be on the referees the whole game. Yep. And to understand when guys need to come out and like call plays, if that's the case, like you, you and your point guard need to be really close to that. And it isn't like in football. This game, I think you could pretty much say that if the players could have, like, you could have gone without a coach. You could have rolled the ball out there in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Nebraska, um, they, they could get the ball thing. across half court. Yeah, they <laughs> like, have one thing and one thing only in their arsenal, and it uh, really didn't work out for them very well. So. And what's weird <laughs> is, and I heard. Justin Ferguson talked about this on their podcast. Is Nebraska's got good players? Like I don't get it. It's, like, it's you look at that roster, and you're like, they should be pretty good. Like, well, they should be a. It's sort of like the, the Vandy. You know, sort of like where Vandy is. Right? Vandy seems like they always have one or two top hundred guys. Exactly. Like they win four SEC games. Yeah. I just thought it was. I thought it was just like their football team this year. Like they've got a good team, they just can't win. Like. Yeah. Um, well, and the, the difference with that is that the football team, like by every metric, rated out fairly well. If you yeah, if you beat just, a like, team, losing close games, this this team is losing a lot of games by a lot of points. If you beat a yeah. team like that, it should mean that they don't have a guy on their team who could play on your team. Yeah. But yeah. shoot, I would take Verge. They, that guy can play. Yeah, dude, that guy was good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I I liked his game a lot, and I think like I. Having a six three point guard that can that I can't play. wait for him to transfer to Auburn next year. Yeah. To be hundred percent honest. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was weird because they had dudes that looked like they could play. It's just it didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Let me go into the four factors real quick. Yeah, let's do it. 
so Auburn won uh, effective field goal percentage, 61%, 49%. That right there, Oof. you pretty much never see anybody overcome that, no matter what the other metrics are. Yeah. Uh, Auburn actually lost free throw ratio again. Uh, that's, that's what we're going to call it from now on, free throw ratio. Yep, I like it. Uh, 0.14 to 0.31. Auburn just did not get to the line in this game. Uh, it's a little bit of a problem. a growing trend now. Four games in a row, Auburn's lost it. I don't know. They just uh, made a lot of clean shots, though, in this game. Yeah. Too, yeah. It, it, I don't know. You could uh, almost call that the but, Wiley. Auburn lost in the Wiley. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we, made, we, made a lot of three, we made a lot of threes of in this game, too, right? You're right. So it, the more threes you shoot, you the less fouls, fouls you're going to Yeah. Right. Auburn won turnover rate 11% to 27%. And again, that's a massive uh, differential. 27% and, is terrible. Yeah, it's, that's <laughs> like, yeah, more than one in every four possessions you turn the ball over. Uh, and then Auburn won offensive rebounding percent, 33% to 27%. And that was a lot of lot more misses for Nebraska than uh, for Auburn. So. You have this in there in the show notes, and I want to. I think you, you're right to say it. Um, there's not a lot of negatives you can take out of this game, and I'm never going to apologize for a win, and I'm definitely never going to apologize for a win away from Auburn Arena. By 30 points. It, is, points. it <laughs> is a concern, not a we should freak out about this and not a something's wrong, but there it's a concern that Auburn has lost the free throw rate um, the last four games. That's a concern. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially with Auburn's size and, and talent in the front court, really. I mean, it's something we really excelled at when we had Austin Wiley and Horace Spencer there, where they could go to the basket. Even if they weren't scoring, they were drawing fouls. Uh, right now, it's you know, Kessler's not drawing a lot of fouls, which is that hurts from your big. Uh, I don't know if that's him needing to sell it more. I mean, he gets hacked he gets plenty. Hacked a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, some of that is, like we talked about, he brings the ball down instead of trying to go straight back up with it. And generally, you're not going to get the call once you do that. Um, that's something Wiley struggled with early, earlier on in his career and got better at by his senior year. I mean, Horace did it too. Um, yeah. Like, and then, I, yeah I, don't, I can't think of a big we've had that hasn't done that, which drives right. me and every old guy around me insane. Every- <laughs> right. And then the other part of it is Auburn doesn't really have a true slasher that goes to the rim, that draws contact. Um, you know, when Jabari goes down, everybody just moves out of the way. They don't want to foul him. And then Katie Johnson is good at going to the rim. He's the only one that's really drawing a decent amount of fouls, though. Um, hopefully that changes once planning comes back, although I'm not sure how physical he's going to want to be right away. Um, I think during SEC play, that's – and Bruce has talked about this more than once in the postgame, that he wants them to draw more fouls. But I think in SEC play, that's something that can come back to hurt you. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that's something that changes over the next couple games or that trend keeps going. Yeah, big game from a couple people uh, here down at the bottom, I see. Jabari paid like 20 minutes and scored 20 points. I mean, it's yeah. That's ridiculous. becoming a trend for Jabari. He, yeah. he is yeah, he's 20 minute guy. He, that's, why, the the that's why the Athletic and a couple other spots today, Forbes. Yeah. Somebody wrote for Forbes, which I don't think that was normal. Shout out um, to Forbes. <laughs> Forbes. But a couple of outlets today had articles up about 
why he's the number one pick in the draft, or he's the best prospect in the NBA draft right now. I, I think he is. And I think, and their their um, point that they make is, while Chet Holmgren is the best shot blocker we have seen coming out of the, coming into the draft in probably fifteen years. I mean, there are people who think Chet Holmgren is the next Hakeem Olajuwon in terms of blocking shots. He's blocking shots at a dish day. He's averaging like four or five blocks a game. He's blocking shots at a preposterous clip. Um, but he's not shooting from the outside like this. He's shooting crazy close to the basket. Like he's, his, his two-point field goal percentage is crazy high because he's, he is a really good finisher. Uh, but Jabari is shooting though, or... 40 from three. Yeah, yeah. Are, is, are, is three more than two? Three is more than two. But if you're uh, shooting sixty or seventy percent from two, you sure. Can, but if you can keep on well, doing that, dang near fifty-five percent. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I mean, I've just I've never seen like with my own eyes someone as efficient as Jabari Smith. <laughs> like, yeah, it's unbelievable, just, and his PER is is evident evidence of that oh it, it's like i've never seen a guy that i've just you can watch the basketball game and you can like tell oh this whatever this guy does with the ball is going to result in something here it's it's insane um and i i just man i i'm glad that other people are seeing it now and the level of coverage that auburn's probably about to get once we head into to conference play because of jabari is crazy. Uh, I think it's going to be wild. I think, I think we're talking like Cam Newton level of like focus on Auburn, like eyeballs on Auburn. Oh, I agree. I was going. That's a really good point. I was going to say the same thing. I think we're getting very close to being like in a. I think here in about February, it will be. Oh yeah. Stop down. Everyone needs to watch what Auburn's doing. I mean, as well, long when it's going to happen is your first SEC game is against LSU, is probably an undefeated top ten team. Two weeks later, you play at Alabama. Oh, yeah. And those, those two games. Yeah, when we kick Alabama's ass in two of. weeks. Uh, <laughs> or three weeks from now, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's going to blow up. But uh, just imagine if we're even – if we're anywhere near the like top three in the SEC come March, then th- this team will be a favorite to win the tournament, I think. Um, or one, one of the – if not favorites to win the tournament, one of the big like teams that's part of the, you know, broadcast package, if you will. Right. Yeah. Auburn's uh, the SEC, I guess, is uh, if you look at early bracketology projections for the tournament, there's like three or four SEC teams right now, all in that two-three bubble. Uh, it's like Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, and Alabama. Um, all are like borderline top ten in most yeah. metrics and. Uh-huh. Yeah, but Tennessee's coached by Rick Barnes, so yeah, they've they've already dropped games, so yeah. I mean, Alabama lost to Iona. They did. Another guy though that's playing. No shame losing Rick, you know, though, right? That uh, the another guy that's playing great that um, is going to draw some eyeballs too. I think is Walker Kessler. Yeah, yeah, and I another, think so too. Uh, another game where he wasn't really the focus of the offense, and again, I I wonder if that's just because. We don't really have the entry pass for the guards right now. Uh, So he only finished with five points, but 5.7 rebounds and five steals. Five steals from a guy that's 7-1. And it wasn't just like, oh, he used his incredible wingspan to jump in the way of a pass. It was 
he was kind of pickpocketing guys from the three point <laughs> line a little bit too. It's crazy. Um, he's he's getting better every game, and he was already uh, pretty impressive at the beginning of the year. Um, he's got a shot to kind of climb up draft boards, and uh, man, if he could know, ever think, start knocking down those threes, because none of them look bad. They just don't go in. Yeah, it's not a bad shot. Yeah. If he, if he could ever start knocking those down, it, he it would be insane. Be yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, Zeb Jasper as well. You got to give him a shout out. Only six points, but five assists, five steals, and I believe uh, that puts him at first in the country in assists. Uh, was it assist to turnover ratio? Yeah, I think so. And uh, his assist and steal numbers are just insane right now from a guy that. Isn't a highly rated guy. He's not going to be a 20 point scorer, maybe ever in this season. Um, he's not one of your top options, but he does everything so well. He and, Wend- he and Wendell are great. Icy Wendt. Icy Wendt is. He's they're, getting I mean, better every single game. I think they're averaging together between the two of them, probably somewhere around nine or ten assists a game. So that's that's pretty pretty good. Um, he's as consistent as the chair that i'm sitting in is squeaky uh, you guys can hear it, it is the Start, squeakiest starting, chair. starting a game with zep and kd too it's like it's a juggernaut. double a gap blitzes yeah. on every play. just just they're coming for you and you're just yeah, yeah there's like a and it's like right at the beginning of the game when you're not comfortable with the pace like you're still trying to get in the groove of things and it's just i, I cannot guys, imagine how frustrating that has to be to start a game I mean, it doesn't let up either. It's not like it's a oh, first five minutes yeah. they're just trying to jump on your throat. I mean, it's oh, oh, and you're not going to the second half, and they're still doing it. And you're not going to get by Zeb Jasper uh, uh, to get on the other end of the floor. Like he's he's going to stay in front of you, and you're not going by him ever. Yep. Um, and if you do, Walker Kessler will probably just steal it when you get down in the post. So. I still, I, my favorite play of anything that's happened this season has been when that Yale kid. Got the ball in the block, wide open, and knew that Kessler was on the other block, and then tried to <laughs> dribble all the yeah. way out. Yeah, and then someone stole the ball from him, and he like <laughs> dribbled it off his foot or something. I've never seen someone just be like, "Nope, not nope, not going to do this today. This is not going to be. I'm not going to be on this highlight reel." <laughs> that play basically had the like exact opposite energy of the Jared DeBrice, uh giving up the, the easy layup or Bryce oh, three point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it was the exact opposite of that. <laughs> Like, hey guys, we're going to need to run another play. I need to back this one out. We're going to need to run a different play. We uh, we uh, play tomorrow against right. the University the of North Alabama. Two five six. My uh, high school coach was a big star there. He held the scoring record there for a long time. Wore my number. Was he over six foot five? Yes. Well, then he would be one of the tallest players on the current UNA Lions <laughs> roster. No, he, I, I don't know if he was 6'5". He was probably 6'4", at least, though. He's pretty tall. You fit right in, then. How many teams are in Division One A collegiate men's basketball now? Uh, 358. Okay. Jeez. They are the 349th tallest Oof. team. Yeah. Um, so, sure. Not surprised. dominated a couple teams that they're quite bigger than, like Nebraska and, like, uh, Yale. Uh, but this is by far the smallest team all will play. They've got one guy who's over 6'6". Six, six. There's, there's, there's their center who only plays about 15 minutes a game is 6'10". But like the guy that's going to be covering Jabari is 6'6". Six, six. 
this is the life of a of a team that's in FCS and shouldn't be. Uh, yeah. It really it really stinks when your football team moves up uh, from Division Two because your other sports suffer pretty bad. JSU went through this and still going through it really in basketball. Um, but yeah, they used to be back in the day they were pretty good in D two, but it ain't happening for them in D one. Uh, yeah, they're having a rough start of the year. Uh, I mean, they're they're six and three, but they're two hundred ninety eight in Ken Palm. Um, and they've, they've played a lot of non-D1 teams so far. Um, what they conference lost are they in? They are in A-Sun. Okay. Uh, but, like, they, uh, their best win right now is against, let's see, number 329, Alabama A&M. I mean, they, they did play a game against the University of the Virgin Islands at their place, which is a cool little perk for uh, North Alabama kids, I guess. So, Leron Smith's uh, homeland, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, you're saying when we beat them, someone will put a deep-fried meme oh yeah, Leron. of Leron Smith? I'm going to ask at some point why they're why we're doing that, but... Um, it's fine. I'm, don't, I mean, don't ruin the match. No, I, the I know why we're doing... Sorry. I know why we're doing it. It is funny. I don't know why the memes have to look like that. That's the part that I don't that's get. That's the funny part. Got it. It's ironic, right? I, I that's what I, I look at it as ironic. I don't know. I don't participate in the memes. So I was thinking, wondering if there was a deeper meaning of did someone mess up and do a meme horribly that looked like this, and now everyone's just rolling with well, it. Well, I think it's I think it's one of those where like the, the same image gets reposted enough times that like the quality just goes to shit. Sure, and that's we're playing that up, I guess. I like the know. Cam Newton. Um, it ongoing investigation gif that is yes. now yes. so blurry one, <laughs> yeah. the, the first uh the first like score tweet meme that really auburn kept putting out probably fans were putting out was the uh the bruce pearl as the mailman handing the ill yeah yeah and that was a couple years ago i think it kind of grew from there um it's funny every week though it is it funny is, it's one of my favorite things even though i don't get it because i guess i'm either too old or thankfully not enough online which I didn't yeah. think there was anybody more online, but I think I think it is a, a bit of a. I just assumed that it was just ironic. Yeah. My goal in the new year is to not get more things. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> my new resolution is to embrace be, the old man. Well, it's just to be more unaware of things going on on the internet. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's a good uh, thing to be to do. The human body wasn't a human psych, psyche wasn't designed to handle twenty no. four hour news from across the planet no, all the time. All right, basketball no. talk is over. <laughs> oh no, we, we still got to do St. Louis real quick. The Billikens. Uh, oh yeah, we're we're traveling up to St. Louis because we played yeah. them. Are we were supposed to play them? Did we end up playing them last year or two years ago? Uh, uh, I know we played them. This in, was, played them in Birmingham. They come here next year. Okay. Um, I think they were supposed to. I think we were supposed to host them last year. We kept this game where it was supposed to be, and then okay. they'll come here. Okay. Did uh, we also were, play them in Birmingham, though? We did as one of the Mike Slav games. Gotcha. Um, they're a, a pretty good program. They're eighty second in Ken Palm, borderline uh, tournament team this year. They haven't really had any big wins, but they've lost to a handful of other tournament teams: uh, Memphis, UAB, and Belmont. Yeah, you know, we'll see what Memphis does later, but we're not here about that. 
another very short team, very young team. Um, there you their, their centers are 6'8 and 6'9, but nobody else is over 6'6. Six, six. Um, the difference between them and UNA, though, is that whereas UNA is short and can't shoot threes or do anything else in offense, at least St. Louis uh, has some scoring options for me on the arc. Um, they don't shoot a ton of threes, but they're, they're pretty good at it. Mm. Uh, I don't like they, the last time you said that. But you know what? It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, normally, hey, you guys get mad at me when I say that I can't shoot three. I know, I know. But the last time we had a team that were good at it and didn't do it, then they just destroyed us. And it was... yeah, we still went to double overtime. I know. They destroyed us from the arc. That's what I yeah. should say. Um, Air raid action. Defensively, St. Louis, uh, they struggle to defend around the rim and they commit a lot of fouls. So what we were talking about before with Auburn's, Auburn needing to force the issue inside and, and get to the free throw line, um, this would be the chance to do it. Uh, hopefully we'll see whether that's somebody driving to basket, whether that's finding Walker Kessler inside to pick up some fouls. We'll see. Um, last thing I want to mention, because I don't think we discussed it last week, uh, Alan Flanagan back to practice, basically on schedule to come back when we thought he would. For late December, early January. They haven't said when his first game will be, but um, maybe before the new year. We'll see. Just a reminder, this team's only getting better, though. Yep. I'm excited. Hey, we'll be sitting in the bleacher seats tomorrow night. Look for us on TV. Oh, yeah. We'll be across from the Auburn. The plan is to be across from the Auburn bench or on the free throw. There you go. I think we're getting very close to the uh, the two-year anniversary of me being the celebrity letter yes. in. We are because it would. Uh, it would have been. Yeah, man. Huh? Been, yeah, man. been 2019, wasn't it? Well, yeah. what, 2020 uh, was a, actually a thousand years, <laughs> and, so it's been a thousand and one years since then. Uh, yeah, uh, exciting. Uh, basketball rules. It's basketball season, but totally a basketball school. After the break, what are we talking? Cruden or basketball, right? Anything, anything happened recently? <laughs> oh, well, people <laughs> said things were happening and then they didn't. That was the, That's the funny part. We'll find out after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. 37 minutes, 48 seconds into this podcast. Hold on. You paid for your whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge of it. Because coming Get your up next. fingers ready. <laughs> the guy who knows where the Cruton fingers are pointed, the AU nerd, is going to come tell us how this thing's going to finish. Nerd, um, give, me, give me a quick best case, worst case signing day situation for, for Auburn. Best case, you drop all the bo- bags, Always. and then in the worst case, is uh, you you drop at the wrong house. I think those are the, those are really the kind of where we're at. <laughs> no, uh, so I'll say this: 
is by far going to be the busiest, craziest, earliest signing period that Auburn has had in the brief history of the early signing period. Um, most, a lot of teams usually come at this point and have like 18 to 20 kids committed and are focusing in on like three to five. Like I think Auburn, one of the best years Auburn had was when Gus closed on like four or five guys on a day and it was good. Well, Auburn right now has, I don't I feel like stuff's changing every hour. So they have somewhere, they either have 12 or 13 commitments. I'm not sure of the exact number anymore because it keeps changing. Um, and are looking to sign like eight to nine people this week. Um, they landed two today. Uh, there's two more announcing tomorrow. Um, but the, the big ones in terms of best case scenario would be um, there's a four-star linebacker out of Mobile that's been committed to Alabama since 2020, uh, Robert Woodyard, um, who for a couple months now has been turning Auburn's way. And there's a very good chance he's going he's gonna to flip to Auburn on signing day, which is never a bad thing. Um, tomorrow you've got four-star cornerback uh, Jadarian Rim, who's been committed to LSU for a while. Um, but with all the upheaval that's been happening there, and uh, Zach Etheridge has been recruiting this kid since the summer and started getting him on campus, and then he came for official visit this past weekend. Very good chance he's going to flip to Auburn. Uh, you know, these are kind of ones they're feeling good about. Uh, there's there's uh, the number one Juco player in the country, uh, who's actually French, uh, Jeffrey uh, Mobal. Mobal. I don't know how to say it. I'm probably pushing his last name. It's I'm so sorry. Mba. Mba. Uh, who is Did six, you see six. the video of him that was going around? Yes. Uh, I guess probably today or yeah, yesterday. Yeah, he, he has a Noah Igma, uh, Igbenogany highlight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, except he's 6'6", 305 pounds. <laughs> uh, and, he, and he runs. I mean, this dude is ridiculous. He's the consensus number one Juco player. Um and Auburn's feeling really good about that one. Uh, you've got the number three Juco player, who's a uh, cornerback, Keontae Scott, out of Arizona. Auburn's feeling really good about him. I think I think in terms of best case, the ones to really pay attention to, the big one is going to be in-state defensive lineman, four-star uh, Curtis Perry. Uh, this is one of those that recruitments where typically in the past, Auburn gets burned or loses. <laughs> I mean, this is a kid that... Um, Auburn likes a lot. There's some real confidence uh, on the planes that they're going to get this kid, but there's been confidence in Tuscaloosa that they're going to get him. And typically when both sides have confidence that they're going to get a top 100 player from the state of Alabama, Alabama uh, wins. But I will say today's the first day I've seen actual doubt creep in on the Alabama side. Um so we, we will see. I'm not ready to buy into that one yet, but that's the big one. If Auburn, if I'll just say, if Brian Harson wins that battle, that's a major shot across the bow in terms of like being able to go toe to toe with Nick Saban for big time players. In the and state. he's he, he is, is, uh, is he a Pike Road kid. Hmm. Is he a Pike Road kid. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh. he, I can't remember where he was previously, but he transferred there this this past year. More importantly, let's go back to to Mba. Are you going to be yeah. watching French national television? Because apparently I'm, he I'm is. I'm probably going to have to. He's going to announce <laughs> his commitment on French national television. But not till next year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, you now. Know, Harson no, said Harson said he was going. He was going everywhere. Uh, so you know, even France. Yeah, it's next. It's next week. So he'll sign. He will sign this week. It won't be released out until next week when he goes public. Um, so when you say French national television, is that like their PBS? 
it's, it works a little different over there, but yes, they're equivalent to PBS. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really have national yeah. networks here in the United States. Yeah, and I know the Brits got a BBC. Yeah, it's uh, it's FF, FFC. I don't know. AFD, French. I believe. AFD. Okay. Uh, that I would correctly. believe that that's like some some lower level uh, wrestling that Galram Beat really gets into. But I bet he's not yeah. on AFD because AFD's like a news. Ch- Maybe you can go on the news. AFD's, by the way, if you really want a good unbiased news source, I, I, it's one of the people that I read. Is it, is it in French? It's French. I feel like it's fairly no, condescending. All English. Yeah. 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 No, when you report on that many countries, they don't really have the time to do would, opinions. Wait, oh, I, man, I hate to sidetrack this, but why is it such a big deal to them? Because they don't care about American football there. I think he may he might be the first French national. If I might be wrong, a hey, you nerd. To, well, is, is he to commit? I, I don't actually know. If he's, he's the first. Really is, I believe. Gabon. Yes, he's yeah. He's, he's from Gabon. There, but he grew up Gabon, okay. and spent a number of years in so France. French That's colony. His family is now. Like Obama Yang. And he he, uh, he flew back there. Uh, he's actually there right now, so that's oh, wow. where he'll be doing it. So, so we need to all practice this. One second. Aigle de guerre. Aigle de guerre, which means war eagle in French. Oh, like the Aigle de guerre. Okay. So this has a chance to be the classiest signing class Auburn has had. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or the snootiest. <laughs> yeah, snootiest. I hope he smokes um, really thin cigarettes since this is the sideline <laughs> talks about existentialism. <laughs> and where's the beret? I do not want to play in the rain, Coach Hassan. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's a beast, though. Um, I, I will I will note uh, a lot of programs have kind of devalued the JUCO ranks this this cycle due to the due to the transfer portal. There's a lot of programs that uh, just flat out either ignored it or didn't pursue a ton of it. Auburn kind of did the opposite. They kind of capitalized on that, and now they've got a good. They they landed uh, Marquise Gilbert today. Three-star safety. He's the number seven JUCO, number one safety. Beat out Florida State and Tennessee for him. Um, really good player. He had seven interceptions this year and, wow. and uh, forced three fumbles. So he's like incredible. Kind of creates chaos. Um, you have him, and he's the lowest rank of the three they're going after. You've also got you know Mba and uh, and Scott that I just talked about. So those those like those are three Auburn feels really good about. So there's a good chance they sign three of the top seven JUCO players. And I I. It's definitely helped by the fact that a lot of other programs aren't bothering to go in here because they, they see the portal instead. So it's an interesting strategy. Um, it'll be interesting how it pays out, but I think Umbal is going to be – there's a chance he pushes for a starting role next year. I mean, he's legit. Um, so so those are kind of what the, 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 the other three that in terms of upside I think are interesting to follow. Um, Trevante Citizen, he's a four-star running back out of Louisiana. He, he has yet to say anything publicly, but uh, the kind of the LSU guys on 247 are, have been told that he's going to wait and sign in February. I just want to see if that actually happens uh, because I do think right now Auburn has a good chance with this kid. Um, and I do think if he decides to sign this week, it would he would choose Auburn. Um, and that would be a just a massive... I mean, to go into Louisiana and pull out a kid like that would be crazy. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. Uh, he's supposed to sign in February. Uh, Florida's trying to get involved, too. Billy Napier, obviously, he's got a lot of Louisiana connections. Um, I don't think Auburn's out of it if he waits. Um, 
but it would be a lot better because he he could use another official visit to LSU because of the coaching change, and then he'll also use an official visit to Florida. So, or he's already used an official to Auburn, so they'll kind of be behind there. Um, the other two are Darius Clemens, our favorite recruit that everyone loves to talk about, four star receiver out of Oregon, who seems determined to go somewhere other than Auburn. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know he he seemed to be training Auburn for much of the summer. After the Akron game revisited, I think a lot of folks thought he'd jump on board. Never happened. Uh, Oregon had their class receiver class kind of fall apart, and so they said, "Hey, you got a spot." He was going to jump on that. I think he was silently committed. Auburn had basically stopped recruiting him because uh, they knew he was going to Oregon. Uh, Mario goes to Miami, and that earlier that week, there's a lot of buzz. You know, Auburn's in this now. Like Auburn's probably the team to beat. He's probably going to land at Auburn, and then suddenly he takes an official visit to Michigan. And it turns out that uh, he grew up in Michigan, and he has some family connections there, a team, a uh, childhood friend that plays for Michigan. And today, a bunch of kind of projections came in, some crystal ball picks came in on 247 and some other places of him shredding to Michigan now. So uh, I think that one just kind of tells me he was he was probably never coming to Auburn. But uh, obviously, if somehow Auburn was able to pull that out in the 11th hour, that'd be a huge win. And then the final guy in terms of upside that I think is a fascinating guy to follow is four-star linebacker Demario Tolan, um, who's been committed to LSU, another LSU kid, a lot of opportunity there, and Auburn's trying to take advantage of it. Um, he, uh, you know, LSU side kind of came out with an article a little bit today that said, oh, yeah, we think he's locked down. But there was a national article on On3 that made it very clear that the, this kid is still very much considering his options. And he's down to Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, and LSU. I, I think he'll end up sticking with LSU. Um, cause I think that's the school he likes a lot, but that's a kid I'm just, I'm just keeping an eye on because if there's any sort of surprises, it would be a kid like that. Um, yeah. So those are kind of a lot of the big names to watch, uh, today, they, today, Auburn on top of Gilbert, Auburn landed, uh, Austin Osbury, which is, uh, I think a much bigger deal than people realize. This is a kid whose dad works in LSU's athletic department is a former LSU player. Um, and as someone that Brian Kelly was recruiting, when he was at Notre Dame. So there was a relationship there. Frank wow. Wilson, who's back at LSU, former ace recruiter, uh, not afraid to drop the bag, uh, was uh, going all out for this kid over the weekend. And, I mean, the confidence Auburn had about this kid going into the weekend was crazy, but it proved real. And he committed to Auburn today over LSU in Florida. Um, can, can we talk about uh, how this guy literally came up in a lab? His, his high school, at least listed on 24-7, is University Lab. Yep, and you want to know where that, where that school is located? Uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. On LSU's campus. Yeah, it's, that's, like, <laughs> that's where like Tyron Matthew went. It's like, yeah, there's just... been a ton of studs. Christian Harris at uh, Georgia, I mean in Alabama, he, he played there too. So, so mm. how did we pull this off, like uh, not in a – other than, than dropping the bag, like how <laughs> – is is it just a situation where a kid like just the family feels like they he'd be better off with a different or change of venue like a change of scenery? I, I think it's a few things. The first is Auburn under Harson at least this first year does not seem to care about a kid's commitment status like or any sort of thing. Like there's this they build a board, they meet with kids and they decide this dude fits what we're trying to do. Fit is the buzzword you're going to hear a lot with Harson. Uh, yeah. For better or worse, that is that is the buzzword you need to prepare yourself for is fit. Uh, and when they feel like a kid fits, uh, 
he's coming to Auburn. Like, like that's just that's the mindset. Um, and so, uh, you know, with Osbury, they actually kind of got on him later too. Like, they didn't offer until yeah, August. Right. Um, but the uh, you know, the previous LSU staff did not recruit him very hard. Um, and so he's he kind of came out with the approach. I'd like to look. I'm okay leaving the state. I'm okay exploring different options. Um, and a number of teams, Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, were all after him. But he really clicked with Zach Etheridge. And another guy who has been a huge help for Auburn on the recruiting trail and is getting to recruit because we don't have an offensive coordinator is Trevon Reed. Um, and no lie, that he had a major impact in this. Like, Osbury mentioned how Reed had a really personal conversation with him about the reasons he chose to leave Louisiana and not go to LSU and come to Auburn and why that was a decision he was happy he made type of thing. That's awesome. Uh, and that had a major impact because Osbury's mentioned it a bunch. Um, and he's not the only LSU kid. I mean, Louisiana kid that he's talked to like that. So uh, it's that. And, I, and also I think, I think Zach Etheridge is got a chance to be one of Auburn's ace recruiters. Um, I mean, he's got a chance to go four for four this week. He's already two for two. Um, and Auburn feels really good about the. I mean, the guy, the two guys that were most up in the air were these two kids, <laughs> and they landed. It's crazy. So, so well, um, they, they Osbury's got a younger brother as well, right? Yes, his younger brother is a five-star linebacker uh, in the 2023 class, Jaden Osbury. Um, now, I don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to follow his brother. Uh, I know they Alabama, Georgia, all of them are heavily involved in that. But they've got obviously Auburn's got a major end in that recruitment. Definitely, that's one to watch. That is that would be just flat out incredible if we could pull that off. Is he just yeah. a year younger? Yeah, twenty twenty three. He's coming up next. Oh boy! Well, <laughs> stay on him, Trevon. I mean, Trevon has the experience of also coming from. I want to say his high school was actually purple and gold. Actually called the yeah, Tigers. I'm trying to remember, it's like, like Thibodeau, Thibodeau, I think. Is, yeah. Thibodeau Tigers. Yeah. I mean, his, his high school coach would not mail his letter of intent. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, that's the type of – like, when people talk about why Alabama and Georgia and LSU have some just built-in advantage, it's things like that. It's where a kid has to drive across the street and go somewhere else to mail his letter of intent uh, type yeah, of stuff. I, and that I, happens all over the place. I would put the uh, – well, the number of high school coaches in Louisiana that are LSU fans is uh, probably over 100%. Oh, um, it's nuts. And, and, and to Edo's credit, he, the one thing he did a great job was was like he put a wall around that state more yeah. so than any uh, coach that has done, um, even against Alabama. He won quite a few head-to-head battles with Alabama, which has been the only team to really be able to go in there. I, yeah. I think there's going to be some opportunities now. Now, Frank Wilson yeah, being back's too. tough, but we'll see. I, I'm not sold that Brian Kelly's going to be able to have the same sort of rapport that <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you talking about? He's one of them. Family. He talks just like him. Well, I think I think what Brian Kelly's about to start doing is very similar to what Mac Brown's doing at North Carolina, where it's yes. like it doesn't matter that this person cannot relate to these kids whatsoever. Whatever, for whatever reason, Mac so Brown is be still able to just relate to mamas. Yeah. He's going to be wearing Jordan 11s. He'll be walking around wearing Jordan 11s, looking like <laughs> your granddad wearing Jordan 11s <laughs> in his track is there, is, there anybody, is there anybody in this class you're worried about as we get a signing day? Uh, maybe decommitting or flipping? 
So interesting stuff's been going on literally while we've been recording this uh, oh around Jacoby Albert, uh, three-star athlete out of Fairfield, Alabama. Um, I like him a lot. I think I actually think for Auburn, like where Auburn is situated, right? He was originally he was he was I think he was like the first defensive back that Derek Mason offered after being hired. Like he was the guy they identified early on, got him on board over the summer. Um, but he could also play wide receiver. He had a great season. I mean, he had, he had one of the better seasons of Auburn commitments. Uh, but it's now being reported by literally everyone. Like, and and this was clearly released by Auburn because all of them were using the same wording, which is Auburn is moving on from Jacoby Albert, and that's all those reporters know about it. Um, but the kid just went on Twitter and had some like live thing and made it clear that he's oh he's still signing with Auburn on Wednesday. Um, so Ooh. I'm not 100 sure what's going on there. Interesting. Uh, huh. In these types of situations, it can be a few things. It could be, uh, you know, and I don't want to speculate like it, but these are like things that have happened in the past. Like I remember Jamon Gordon got dropped a couple years ago, a kid from Mississippi, because his grades wasn't in order. He ended up going JUCO. I don't think that's the case with Albert. You also have the. You also have uh, sometimes schools catch wind that a flip could be coming, and they want to get ahead of it. We saw that with Javion Cohen, which. Uh, totally worked out for Gus. Gus totally got the edge of that exchange. Um, and you and you drop a kid. Kentucky has been, he's been flirting with Kentucky for a while. He officially visited Kentucky this past weekend. Um, there was some belief I in Kentucky. His, I see his primary recruiter from Kentucky was uh, Summerall, but he just took yes. Detroit. Yeah. Right. That's actually why I thought he was, Detroit I wasn't yet. worried about that trip. Uh, was because he was going to Troy. But maybe, I don't know. And then third, it could be Auburn could have just recruited over him. Like they could have just because they landed Osbury, who uh, is someone they actually think can play safety. He's listed as a cornerback, but uh, he actually told two, the two four seven on his interview that Auburn likes him at safety. They might start him out at safety, um, uh, and then you had Marquise Gilbert. So they could have just recruited over the kid. And there's also the possibility, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, there's so many defensive backs <laughs> to be in this class that they might be taking a spot away from DBs to open a spot somewhere else. Um, it's so hard to know. You hate it for the kid, especially if he actually wants to sign with Auburn and he's getting dropped. Um, so that's one to watch. Uh, otherwise, I really don't think so. Demario Austin took a, an official visit to Michigan State, um, but he completely reaffirmed. I actually was not worried about that at all. There was some stuff that came out earlier this morning where it's like, oh, he had a great visit to Michigan State. Could he be a flip target? And I was, I was like – that's a kid that has been maybe the most active recruiter that I've ever seen for an Auburn player. Um, and he's locked in. The, the only other one would maybe be Caden Story. Um, four-star defensive lineman uh, out of Lafette who came out today to say he's not signing this week. Um, his dad, his, they say he's still com fully committed to Auburn. Uh, his dad says it's just been so busy they haven't had time to put together a ceremony. So they're going to do it in February. Um and yeah, so there's some, some people are like, I don't know what that means. What's going on here? Remember his older brother currently plays for Alabama. Um, so there's some concern there, but yeah, I'll just say that me. so far the kid has not done anything to make me think he's not committed. This is weird. It could be he signs and they don't release it and he has a ceremony in February and then it goes public type of thing so that there's a big day for him. It could be as simple as that or, you know, there's something more could be going on. Um, but that's one to watch. Right now, I'm going to trust the kid because he's not been taking official visits elsewhere. Like, he's been really locked in. Um, 
and uh, his dad's a well-respected high school football coach in the state. So um, we'll see what happens there, but that's definitely one to watch. But otherwise, I think everyone else is uh, is locked in. Do we have any offensive line targets still on the board? Because now with uh, Drew Bobo flipping to Georgia, which I think we all kind of expected. Yeah, after not, not spread. We got fired. Um, there's only one offensive line we committed in this class right now. That's Esten Harris at Auburn High. So we, we, we've talked about this so many times where offensive line recruiting is more or less what got gets fired. Uh, so offensive linemen are more of like concept. I don't think they're real. <laughs> it's not like a – Is not offensive like a, linemen the new tight end? Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, you don't, you don't go out and like sign offensive linemen. They just kind of – you wait and material, you kind of like – Materialize. I don't know. Yeah, and then maybe, you know – yeah, maybe a kid gets bored at UMass or, you know, yeah. a defensive lineman, you know, is is stuck in the depth chart and wants to play. You know, it, it, these things just kind of happen. You don't, you don't go get them. Um, because that appears to be Auburn, what happened. I will say, overall, I think Brian Harson's first recruit, this like first real recruiting class, is going to be better than what I expected a couple of months ago. And I'm actually my opinion of the Harson era is starting to shift and make me wonder, is he actually a much better recruiter than people realize? And he's going to actually do a good job recruiting on the trail and is not as good as the like actual coach that we all, you know, I think that thought was he was going to come in and be more of a schemer type of guy um, and struggle with recruiting. I don't know. But the one hole in this class is definitely offensive line. And it's, it's definitely so bizarre. Uh, the good news is Esten Harris is, is a dude. He balled out at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. But he's listed as an offensive tackle, but he's going to start on off at, at guard. He's going to start yeah. off at guard. I mean, Harson um, learned from one of the best guys. He was yeah, an OC for under, under Mac, which meant, which meant he learned how to, how to drop a bag. How to drop a bag. Because... <laughs> Those and that was back when Mac was just getting every kid. That oh, yeah, Mac and wanted. he would sign those classes. They would be done by July. And they'd be done back by when July. Was like the February, it was unbelievable. He would tell Texas man. kids. He would be like, "Look, if you want your spot, you have it, but you have to take it now, or I'm going to give it to this other kid." Yeah, and they would take. They it. would have thirty commits in <laughs> July. Be, it would be done. Insane. It would be completely done. And that recruit a soul until February. Uh, so, <laughs> but, so is there anybody still out there? Yes, there are people still out there. So the the the. Uh, Tay Woody is one to pay attention to, um, Antavius. Uh, he uh, local. Uh, I forgot. I forgot, forgot where he is. I know. I know. I, f- I finally. I finally struck out on a hometown. Uh, uh, let's go South Alabama, but, right? Yeah, he's uh, in Alabama. I just can't remember the city. Uh, look um, up, right down the road. Oh. Oh, oh did I get him? Oh, did I get him in Caden's uh, story? Yeah, Caden's story is Lynette. Lynette. Woody. Oh, I feel I so. Both right down oh, the road. Right. Well, Man, I guess yeah, we'll just have to delete this podcast and, a, and start it. Between us, I'm not recording this again. Um, yeah, no. Uh, um, yeah, but Tay Woody's one to pay attention. He took an official visit to Auburn this past weekend. Now, <laughs> again, he's listed as offensive line. He would prefer to play defensive tackle. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think he's a better defensive tackle prospect than he is an offensive oh. line prospect. Oh, wow. All and right. Auburn he's, is willing to play him on three. defensive line. Maybe a um, little undersized for offensive line. At yeah, he's probably a guard. If he plays offensive line, he's probably a guard. Center. A guard, yeah. a guard mm-hmm. center. Um, but he's been committed to Florida State for a while. But I think this is a kid that's truly torn. He's not going to sign this week. Um, and I think he's not signed this week because he doesn't know. Like, I think yeah. he's really torn between Auburn and Florida State. 
but he's one to watch because he's a kid, one of those kids that you could bring in as a as a let him play a year at defensive line and then switch him to offensive line. Um, Sweet. The uh, Jalen Farmer is probably another uh, kid to know. Uh, he's a three star committed to Florida, um, but Billy Napier has really made the bold decision to just let everybody go. Just don't no one sign with us. Uh, <laughs> he basically dumped their recruiting class. He did flip one of his own commits. They're basically taking a bunch of kids rated in the thousands uh, this week. He just had his four-star blue-chip quarterback flip to Oklahoma, and the receiver's probably going to follow. Um, it's bizarre. I, it's, it's a strange thing going on down there. Um, but uh, Jalen Farmer's still technically committed. He's not signing this week. He's going to sign in February. Auburn has feeling pretty good about him right now. The, the problem is, come, come the late period, I remember, I remember when Kamar Bell was the most talked-about recruit. Like, when you're an offensive lineman and you have a chance to be a Power 5 player and you wait until February, like, everybody comes after you. So I yeah. expect other teams will come. But he's a kid that the staff thinks can play offensive tackle, even though I think he's like 6'5", 300. He's massive. He's like 330, wow. 340 pounds. Um, and then there's Inez Cooper from Pleasant Grove, Alabama, who 100% was signed with Auburn if they ever gave him a green light. But they're kind of waiting. Um because he is a very, very raw prospect. He's massive, too. At one point, he was close to 400 pounds in his career, uh, but he's dropped, like, 50. So he's around 340, 350, 6'6". Um, big old boy. Yeah, and so I think the staff is just hesitant. To, a lot of uh, He actually has a Georgia offer, too, but I think they're kind of the same boat, where it's a kid that you're like, you're not sure about. So we'll see what happens with them. Otherwise, it's portal right now. Um, it's going to be the portal. Um, Auburn, at this point, if a kid hits the portal and there's you have a reason to believe he could play in the SEC, just assume Auburn is recruiting him. Like that is <laughs> that has been the case so far. Like it, if 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 you're an offensive lineman who has any reasonable chance of playing football at a Power Five level, Auburn's talking to you. Um, unfortunately, the the kind of one of the big dogs, uh, Miles Frazier, who played at Florida, Florida International. Was one of the highest graded uh, guys um, coming into the portal. Just dropped a top three: Ohio State, Florida State, and LSU. So Auburn didn't make the cut, um, which is a bummer. But there's going to be other ones. So that, that's kind of where they are. But yeah, um, I think ideally Auburn wants to sign three underclassmen and three from the portal. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, is. But, any uh, potential quarterback additions to this class at this point? After the, uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but after the Bo Nix decision, and Spencer Rattler made it to South Carolina, which is so <laughs> annoying. Hey, at least he's not, not playing them anymore. No, Bo, Bo told the coaches he's staying. Oh, we're talking about. Ah. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, Holt Turner already committed in this class. Four star guy, uh, balled out state title game this weekend. It's obvious that Bo watched the uh, 4A Georgia State <laughs> title game scared, scared. and saw the writing on the wall. I think um, you guys are discounting the fact that the second winningest high school football player in the state of Texas history is already on campus. That is true. That is true. I'd say, um, I don't understand what D. Davis is doing. He should have transferred <laughs> because... He's, he's doubled down, if anything. I know. Oh, yeah, he's coming back. He's coming back. The, Especially now. To- this well, staff yeah. has shown nothing but apathy towards him, as far well, as we the know. The funny thing is, that at this point, 
I guess we can kind of transition into quarterback talk now, unless there's anything uh, left to discuss in the recruiting class. Nerd. No, uh, just just gonna. The only guy I would have mentioned is I just because I want to say his name uh, is Aniche Sledge, uh, three-star line defensive lineman out of Louisiana. He's committing tomorrow. I'll be shocked if it's not Auburn. Here's my pitch on him: Dave Aranda wants him to play nose guard, and Auburn uh, wants him to bring, play nose bring guard. Him, bring him here. So that I think <laughs> I think he's a good pickup. My bay, uh, my bay wants him. So there you go. Um, all right. So if you were living under a rock. Uh, Bo Nix decided to transfer out. Hasn't decided where yet, but it won't be here. I um, really hope that nobody, that some, there is somebody who doesn't know that. We, we are breaking, finding and, this and, out. And found out on this podcast, yes. I really hope that's true. We're breaking the news. Bo Nix not honey, coming back. Be, honey, did you hear this? <laughs> <laughs> Drops the cup he's holding. <laughs> uh, so that leaves Auburn with the interesting quarterback room. Um, basically two polar opposite players between TJ Finley and D Davis. Uh, one about a foot taller than the other and maybe a yeah. second slower on the 40 time, I had to guess. One uh, can throw it over the mountains, though. <laughs> and then, then uh, Holden Garner coming in as a freshman. So uh, plenty of different directions could go. Maybe bring in somebody like a, a one-year grad transfer as well. Um and I think, I think we'll kind of know who the starting quarterback is going to be based off of who the offensive coordinator hire is whenever that happens. Is, uh, is Russell Wilson going to be our quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if uh, if Crow had his way, we'd be hiring Austin Davis off the Seahawks and uh, turning in Demetrius Davis into Russell Wilson. I mean, uh, yeah, he didn't go to Pleasant Valley, Alabama high school. So maybe not everyone's going to like him, but Demetrius Davis <laughs> won a lot of games. <laughs> this is a pretty good player. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that uh, people at Auburn uh, have a particular fondness for guys from the state of Alabama. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, Jared Stidham best... was from Texas. I don't know if you knew that. The the, the problem is not. this: if you're a freshman and you don't play, then the next freshman to come in is just going to be better than you. That's yeah. just the fan perception. Yeah. So so everyone's moved to Gurner now. Like he's yeah. the guy. Yeah. He's the guy to be the But uh but yes, I do I do one hundred percent expect Auburn to go to the portal. <laughs> Funny enough, you wanna know whose name has popped up today as a legitimate target for Auburn? Zach Calzada. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if Bonix transfers Texas. Let's just go with the trick. He transfers to Texas A&M to play for his dad's old quarterback coach. And Zach Calzada comes over, and Bo Nix leads Texas A&M into Jordan-Hare to play a Zach Calzada-led Auburn team. That's, uh, that's road bow, though, right? You should oh, be yeah. able to that. Um, but, yeah, that's just one name. Uh, the USC quarterback, Auburn, is monitoring him. Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis. I don't know how to say the name. Slavis Slovis. <laughs> I don't pay attention to kids once they get to college, you know. It's just it's just from their high school. I can say their names. You like them young? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the the other other one, uh, Dylan Gabriel. Auburn is definitely in touch with him. Um, that would be uh, uh, UCF quarterback. Yep, UCF quarterback. Is he in relation to Kenny Gabriel? Uh, I believe they're cousins. I think, no way. I think it's yeah. I think it's cousins. 
I, I really, I really wish that was true. <laughs> <laughs> and then, an, an, probably one of the more interesting one is Cameron Ward, who won like the Player of the Year in FCS at Incarnate Ward Word Incarnate yeah, Word. He's a he's a, he's a, a solid looking fella. Yeah. Uh, he took an official visit to Ole Miss, though, so Lane might be swooping in to take him. But those are some names I've seen. But, yes, I, w- I would expect Auburn to do the – Max Johnson wouldn't surprise me if Auburn kicked the tires oh, on him, too. God, um, please no. But uh, I will say he comes paired with an elite tight end and his younger brother. So We love those uh, tight ends. We do love those tight ends. So <laughs> I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I would expect Auburn to look for somebody in the portal. Um, Where is uh... – the, and I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Clemson backup from his past season. He's transferred, is he not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not even going to take a stab at that. I, yeah. I have no idea. Um, okay. Actually, hey, I he's know gotten he was a so shot. little attention. That's actually a good point. He's gotten so little attention. He was a five-star, um, was he not? Yeah, he was a five-star. And he got so little attention as a recruit because he committed so early to Clemson. But everyone knew that the other unpronounceable name quarterback was going to be uh, was going to be leading. Uh, I know it's wrong. I know I should be. I know, but I, I can't say. I can't say either one of their names. Uh, uh but uh, DJ and Taysom. I, I know I can say the first yeah. names. Yeah, there you go. DJ and Taysom. Yeah, no one's talked about Taysom as a recruit, even though he's highly rated. No one's talking about him in his portal. So that would be an interesting one. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see who they go. Who they go get? There is there any chance Kirby runs off another five star quarterback from his roster? I don't know. There's a. I mean, if if we want to rep- rep- do this right and replace one Auburn legacy with another, you know, Brock Vandergriff's over there sitting behind Stetson Bennett, you know, come, come be the safe, come be the real savior, you know, Ma- come be the Mama's calling. Yeah. Um, who knows? I mean, a big name quarterback hits the portal daily. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, as we all know, though, Auburn thrives in transfer scenarios. So I don't, I don't know why anyone's upset about Bo Nix. This is going to work out great for Auburn. I know what I'm looking forward to over the next nine months is another Auburn quarterback battle. It's always a great time when you get to do that. There is no uh, battle. It's D Davis. Wait. Vision 2022. My God. <laughs> it's TJ Finley or D Davis. Starting anybody else is an admission of. I think we're just in a colossal mega trouble problem. if it's either one of those guys. I think we're in trouble if it's not, Chief. I think we're in trouble if it's not one of those guys. If it's one of those guys, or uh, he's how's he say it? Gurner. Gurner. Because like if you Rodney start Gerner. a true if you start a true freshman over two guys that you brought in, you're admitting, okay, well, we screwed up about those guys, but this guy, this is the this is the one. I, I don't this. I don't think this staff cares uh, about admitting. They, they really don't. But they, I, I'll say this: I actually don't think it's going to matter. It, uh, it, it all depends unless Auburn does something in the portal at offensive line. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. they have to sign. Like I, I'm glad Tank's coming back, but even if Tank were leaving, I, I, that's still not my concern. Like Tank and Bo, like none of that's the, like until Auburn can just line up and go get two yards when they need it to finish a game. Uh, none of that other stuff's going to matter, I, and so I, I that's think... where it's got to start. I think the bottom line, really, on the whole Bo situation is, is if we had an offensive line that was, you know, SEC caliber coming back this year, I think Bo just, I think he stays. I, 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 
I think that has a lot to do with why he's gone. Because there's, I mean, right now it doesn't look like we we have an offensive line. Um, yeah, we might at this point. I don't think we have a two D. I mean, yeah, we got eight guys coming back and uh, one committed at this point. So, yeah, I'm interested to see who. I would I would expect there's a good chance that Zaire comes back um, and 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 starts more. But I'm curious to see from that group who returns. Um, but no, I I completely agree. I think Bo. Speaking specifically on Bo, because I think we've done a really good job of avoiding it. Yeah. Uh, I really do think that was a business decision. Like I think it's it's simple. His time's running out for an NFL draft. Yep. Um, he's getting very low draft grades right now, and so he's trying to go find. You know, they saw what happened with Malik Willis. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're going to go try and find a situation where he can excel and elevate his status. Maybe um, this I, is the offensive coordinator that can get him above a 60% completion percentage. Yeah. He's yeah, got to I mean, find even, the right even, one. Even going back to high school, like just well, just, <laughs> uh, just that first time touching it. Somebody's got to come in there and say, hey, listen, yeah. this is what you got to do. Throw it to the guy on your team more often than not. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Let's not act like he did not improve this year he did yeah. improve this oh, that, year that's the wildest part of it is this was his best season this Which was is, his best season. that's what's wild to me is that like look if you're transferring out you're transferring out from the best situation you've been in well his since you got to college the low, low border cross his offensive I, coordinator left. i do think bobo leaving i know i know that bo really liked being coached by bobo um and so i i definitely think that probably played a bit of a role in it too. Um, Is there any chance he goes to Ole Miss next season? No, I don't think so. Nah. That that I, would I, he fits well in that offense. That there's absolutely no way that Pat Nix likes. Uh, oh, that's kind of what I think. So. I've heard I've heard three schools pretty reliably in terms of places he's looked at. Central Florida. I, I can't believe that one's me. true. I can't believe that. Unbelievable to me. I can't but believe that. Multiple people have. That I somewhat respect <laughs> have, have put that out there. I think uh, he may have had a conversation with Gus Malzahn. Yeah, I don't think that that's an actual real possibility. That may have been a family friend. Hey, what yeah. kind of advice do you have? I do think the idea of going to G five and putting up ridiculous stats to puff up the resume. Yeah, that, that, that's a. I think that could appeal to him, but I would shock me if he played for Gus, and it would also be the funniest thing in the world to be. If, if he left and transferred <laughs> to Central Florida, and you have Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix on the roster again with with Joey Gatewood, I mean with with Gus Malzahn. The other the other two schools are Cincinnati, which I actually think is an interesting one as well, um, replacing Desmond Ritter, and then another one is Oregon, uh, because Kenny Dillingham is looking likely to be the offensive coordinator out there, um, and so there's a relationship there, and so those are three I've heard. <laughs> Texas A and M is the other one. But I don't know on that one either. Did Dillingham was he technically the OC that uh, Bo committed to? No, no, no. That would have been Chip. That would Chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because okay, uh, the Kitty's Kitty's quarterback was uh, Shale Shale Garnett. That was, that oh, was Kitty's quarterback right. when he was at all. That's right. Yeah, hey, I mean that's funny, but just because. Bo didn't commit to any coordinator. Bo committed oh, to Auburn. Yes. Auburn, right. um, I, I, I've, I've suspected that I don't know that – because Bo went and did all the recruiting stuff. I don't know that Bo was 
a super lock because I don't know that they really would were super thrilled about him or excited to have him play for Coach Malzahn, uh, especially around the time that he was going to be committing. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have been if I were them. I think there were some concerns, and I think those concerns were valid. Um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, – I was watching yeah. Jared Stidham get uh, sacked five times a game. I, I, just, I don't think there was any way you're going to talk about Adam not coming. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so and, – and, yeah, and I will say, I know we've been kind of making some jokes at his expense, but I will say, like, I genuinely hope Bo can figure it out and find a, a good situation because I, I don't think he's an, as awful of a person as everybody tries to make him out to be sometimes. Yeah, oh, they're oh, oh, I, yeah. yeah. I uh, think, yeah. honestly, if I were in his situation, and again, as a kid that grew up loving Auburn, and he's even more Auburn than uh, all of us, considering yeah. who his dad is, uh, even I, 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 I get what he's doing. Yes, he got his I, degree. I don't. I don't think this it, is a bad. Everybody decision. he came here for is gone, um, and I, probably replaced by worse versions of. And he's never know. had a great situation here. He's never had yeah. a, a good situation. He's played and for I, three years. Well, his, I think his best situation was actually tw- his first year at twenty nineteen. Yeah, because he had yeah. he had an elite defense backing him. Kind of like when Jalen Hurts and, started off at Alabama and had some rough moments, but had a defense that could protect him, and he had he Seth had, to throw uh, it up. Signif- yeah, significantly better wide receiver group with Seth. And, and that offensive line wasn't completely the awful. worst. Yeah, they couldn't run, but block, they he still was playing block. in Malzahn's system, so that definitely limited the passing. A late, a late Malzahn that didn't had no identity anymore. Yeah. Uh, Part of me so, wonders if that injury this year also made him realize, hey, he, your chances of uh, this all going south and you never getting a shot at the NFL are very real. Right. You stay here. I think, uh, I, I think he had to be talked into it. I mean, just to be honest. Oh, I definitely, I definitely think yeah. he got some advisement from his camp, as people like to say. Yeah, and family. I think, and I don't have, hold anything against the people in his camp for no, doing that no. because that's their job to help. And I think long-term, I know it sounds crazy, but I actually do think it's helpful for both sides. I think at this point, it's time for Auburn to move on. It, it'll, it'll likely get worse before it gets better. Like, I don't think Auburn is getting better with Bo Nix leaving. Right. Um, but I also think there's a firm ceiling there. Uh, and so I think it's important to start building for the future and find something new. And I think for Bo, it's really important to go find a situation that suits him better and you know, yeah. see if he can do it. See if he can put it all together for a, for a full season, um, yeah. and reach I mean, that five star set. And and it, I don't know. I I I feel like he's been treated pretty poorly uh, in, in the wake of this. I don't think his own video helped him out any. I don't think he should have made a video. <laughs> no, that um, was that was wrong. Um, but was it, forced to say the least. This, this, I mean, this isn't even as like he would have been able to do this transfer before all this transfer madness started anyway, because he graduated. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I guarantee you, Bo is more upset that he did not achieve his goals here that that we all had for him than he had for himself than anyone else. Any of the people saying really vile things about him have said he cares more about it than they do. So. The, the, you know, I've always nothing... thought that Bo's biggest problem, and this may be why he actually will maybe succeed, is that he's too big of an Auburn fan. Yeah. 
It's too yeah. emotional. It's too personal for him. And that's why you see those meltdowns. That's why you see those those when he when things go wrong, he craters because it's yeah. it's like us. <laughs> it's like a fan out there right. that it, it it hurts so much and you want to do it. So I think it's probably good for him to find a situation. I mean, he's always going to be he's always a competitive kid. I don't think he's that's going to change. But now it's not I'm trying to live up to this family legacy name thing or play yeah. for my child. It's, it's, now it's a business. Now it's I need to go out here and produce so that I can get to the NFL. T- take some burden off his shoulders. Gilson gets a different – I really hope he doesn't go to Dillingham. I, I, I'd i like for him to go somewhere with, with a coach where he's actually – Cincinnati is the best uh, situation as an Auburn fan for us. Yeah, yeah. A&M's maybe the best situation for him. I I really honestly think that. They have talent, uh, more talent than he's ever seen here on the offensive line. Uh, He's got a guy that is, whatever you might say about him, a good quarterback coach and does not ask his quarterbacks to to do much. Um, Yeah, I think Jimbo would kill Bonex. You think so? Jimbo is very much old school drop back, throw a pass, and Bo eh. Bo Nix doesn't really do that type of football well. He's more of the <laughs> drop back. Let's make some stuff happen. Backyard Bo. Backyard Bo. I don't know Jimbo. He would drive Jimbo crazy. I think. I'm mean, saying he would probably drive like a There'd lot of those kinds of coaches and, crazy. Uh, like highlights of them talking on the sideline though. Oh, yeah, just screaming at each other. We got Those two yelling at each other, yeah. When Jameis was there at Florida State with him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, people guys. Lo- like, guys that play for Jimbo love Jimbo, though. Oh, for it, sure. It's, it's, it's super weird. <laughs> like, Because uh, he's not a nice guy by all accounts at all, but they love him. All right, guys, we are – at the one hour and 30 minute mark, coming close to it. This is going a lot. Wednesday, right? The big day is Wednesday. Where yes, can they it find? Wednesday and runs through Friday. And so nerd, are you going to be po- Thursday and Are you going to be posting stuff all the time at collegeofmagnolia.com? No, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'm logging off Wednesday. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go out. The, no, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be keeping up a live thread. I actually, uh, won't, uh, I actually be off to a late start because I actually have a family thing in the morning. Um, but I'll probably put up something Tuesday night and then start updating it when I get back. Because um, there's going to be a lot don't going on. Don't they know it's signing day? I know. I know. It's like some people don't realize this. But, you know. But, yeah, well, I'll, have, I'll, have a, I'll have a live thread up like we've done previous years. Um, we look forward to it. best to capture what's going on. We look forward to it. And we hope, to, we hope that it's just a Mary Flipmas. At Mary Auburn. Flipmas. Oh, I think it's coming. And hashtag drop the bag. Hashtag and that's the going bag. in the title. It's in the title. Mary Flipmas is in the title. <laughs> well, guys, have a War Eagle weekend. Oh, no. Oh, that's sad, Chief. <laughs> <laughs>